Welcome back. Today we're going to jump into a little bit about fear and how fear can actually be a gift for you and your leadership. And so everybody has fear. It's not like the fear of falling or spiders or things like that. Um, It's more deeper. It's the fear of being judged. It's the fear of looking dumb. It's the fear of, you know, looking foolish. It's the fear of looking afraid. It's all of the fears of, you know, that are deep inside of us. And um, when we have these fears, there's actually a automatic thing that we have learned to do every single person that we have learned to do in order to prevent our fear from coming true so if we're scared of looking dumb in a moment then this safety mechanism or something called an ego or something called a survival mechanism protects this fear. I like to look at it as like, if you're a visual person, it's like fear is like the size of a quarter. And if you're like drawing it on a piece of paper and then just on the outside of that small quarter, the circle, you draw a larger circle that encompasses that smaller circle. And that's your survival mechanism. And your survival mechanism are all of those reactions that you know to do to keep you safe and to protect you. And then just outside of your survival mechanism, and that's the armor that you have put there. You have, the world has trained you to show up in a certain way in order to keep you safe from feeling foolish, in order to protect you from looking dumb, or in order to protect you of looking arrogant, or looking boastful, or looking materialistic, or whatever that fear is. that you have a survival mechanism of, I don't want to look materialistic. So my reaction is to not buy that thing. Or my reaction is to buy the same exact looking thing. So if I need to get a new car, I'm going to buy that same exact looking car. So it's less noticeable because I don't want to look materialistic. And so that's what we call the survival mechanism. It's just outside of the fear and it's protecting the fear. And so outside of the survival mechanism, you're going to draw a larger circle around that. And that's the comfort zone. And so that's kind of like life as normal. And typically most people live within this larger circle. We stay in the comfort zone and the fear lives inside of the comfort zone. The survival mechanism lives inside of the comfort zone. And that's kind of like a good visual aid of of life as normal. And as you get closer to the edge of that comfort zone, that far edge, I call that kind of living on the edge. And that is the place where your fear really doesn't like. The closer you get to that edge, your fear will pop up and be like, oh, you need a new car? Like, well, I'm gonna have that survival mechanism show up and I'm gonna protect you to get you closer back to center of your comfort zone. And so just outside of your comfort zone, it's unknown. Everything you don't know is outside of your comfort zone. And everything you do know is inside of your comfort zone. So what we call just outside of your comfort zone is the possibility. That's where possibility lives. And your fear does not like it. And so how does this all relate to your fear actually being a gift? And so... 
you know, we kind of just talked about like moments where fear shows up, but that might be before you walk into an interview. Maybe you have some fear showing up. You're running late to catch a plane. You have some fear show up. There's an automatic way that you behave in those moments. Or leaving something prominent, like leaving a board of directors that you serve on. And maybe your maybe your fear is telling you like you should just stay here. If you leave, then your reputation will be tarnished. So just sharing a moment where like my fear personally has showed up for me. So we do these things naturally and reactively and by default and automatically. We don't even notice that we're doing it. It's so ingrained in us. It's so automatic of avoiding our fear. But it also shows like what's available to us. It shows what's available to you when you start noticing when you're avoiding the fear. And so one of the things that's kind of like a hot topic, it seems like within the last 10 years and still is, is imposter syndrome. And so what that typically looks like, it's the fear that shows up is like, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. I'm not smart enough. And so those are more obvious examples of what imposter syndrome really kind of looks like and feels like and thinks like. Um, You know, another way is when you're interacting with somebody else and they're speaking about something that you're not totally familiar with. And so then your fear shows up. It's like, well, I'm afraid or worried that they may find out that I'm stupid or they may conclude that I'm stupid or I might actually look stupid. And so that's another kind of version of that imposter syndrome. But it all has the flavor of like, I'm not smart enough. I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. So just like we talked about the survival mechanism of the survival mechanism kicks in and it tries to protect us. This automatically happens. It ensures that our fear does not get seen. It tries to make sure we don't look foolish and that we don't even look afraid. So it's trying to do two things at once. And fear, like our ego typically sees fear as a weakness. So it tries to hide fear. And when we hide fear, it makes us feel powerful. But we keep doing this kind of like dance around the eggshells and we're not really showing up the way that we truly want. And the engagements that we have with people aren't as powerful because we're doing this kind of like tap dance and it's inefficient, less powerful, all the things. And so what our survival mechanism or our ego might do to protect us in moments where, you know, somebody's talking about something that we don't really know and our response might be providing a really long rambling answer in an effort to appear as if like we're answering the question um, and that's our, like that's trying to protect the fear of looking dumb. Like I'm gonna give this really long rambling answer and that's gonna protect me from looking dumb. And it's also gonna protect me from looking afraid right now. I call this the Miss America answer where, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched like the Miss America pageants, but they, they're they given a question and then they give this, uh, they have like a few moments to answer the question, but at the end you're kind of like, did they answer the question? Like, I don't know if they answered the question, but it was a very eloquent response. That's what I call the Miss America answer. 
And um, so that's one version of, you know, the survival mechanism kind of jumping in and protecting. Another one would be, well, I have to read all of these books and I have to do and go to all of these trainings before I can give this big presentation, before I try to step out into this new career. And it's to ensure that you have all of the potential questions answered before you step onto that podium or before you step into that answer or into that interview. I have to go to all of these trainings. I have to read all of these books. These are all reactions to your fear that you're not good enough, that you're an imposter. So if you didn't have to worry about being an imposter, like if you didn't have the fear of not being good enough, then you would likely review only the materials that you have already read and know that that was good enough to walk into that presentation that you're about to give or to that interview that you're about to go set in. And, you know, and if I was participating in a conversation and I wasn't worried about being an imposter, I would ask the person that I'm speaking with to elaborate a bit more and tell them I'm unfamiliar with what they're speaking about because I wasn't being driven by my fear of looking dumb. So let's imagine that you own a business. Let's just call it a daycare. And you own a daycare and you have employees. Um, you know, there are a variety of teachers. Maybe you have a variety of like technical support people, um, you know, just a variety of employees and vendors and whatnot. And let's say one of your kind of like IT people came up to you and they were talking about something you weren't really sure as to what they were talking about because technology is not your world, which is why you've hired this person. And this person, um, they, they start speaking really fast and they start speaking about things you're not really familiar with. Let's say you ask this technology person, let's call him like Tim. Let's say you ask Tim a question and then Tim starts to explain and then Tim continues to use really big words and large terms. And like you can really tell that Tim possesses the quality of brilliance. Like that's the quality that he brings when he walks into rooms. And what most people do in this situation is they speed up in the conversation with Tim to appear as though they're keeping up with Tim. Or maybe they kind of do the deer in the headlights thing where they glaze over, they kind of nod their head and they're like, okay, whatever, Tim, like, you know, great job. And they just kind of nod along. Maybe they use some active listening, but overall they're just kind of resigned knowing that they're really not going to fully understand what Tim is saying or make sense of what Tim is saying. So they're just really resigned through the conversation. And both of these are all in an attempt to not look dumb. This method of interaction isn't particularly powerful. Like it's not really a powerful way to show up. And so what we want to do here is notice you're afraid of you, you might look dumb. You might look stupid. And from fear, there's the reaction. And when you can decipher, when you can distinguish that you have a fear, that provides you access to change the script, to interrupt the pattern, 
notice when like you like notice what your reaction typically would be notice if your reaction typically would be kind of like to to be a recluse and to kind of go inward and maybe start hiding and kind of doing that glazed over thing notice if you're like notice if your reaction typically would be to um speed up with him or notice if your reaction is typically okay, great, I have to go to the bathroom now and there's kind of this great exit, whatever it might be. Notice what the reaction would be. Next, know that what's happening in this moment with Tim is not special to you. It's not unique to you. What's happening with you here is happening everywhere with Tim and who Tim interacts with. Anytime Tim is asked a question, Tim also gets scared, just like you, and he has reactions just like you to cover up his fears. And that might look like using big words. That might look like speeding up. That might look like kind of like moving you along and um, answering your questions quickly and kind of like shooing you away. So when Tim has this type of reaction to his fear, those who are around him also get scared of looking dumb and they too have reactions to their own fear and that might be look like racing through the conversation to get out of it or etc etc so your experience with tim is not special to you this is this is happening everywhere in tim's life so when you're afraid there's a really good chance the person you're interacting with is also afraid Fear is kind of like a bacteria, like it breeds and like it, it breeds it. Fear breeds free fear, excuse me, fear breeds fear. It generates more of fear. It's kind of like when you hear someone yawn, you can't help but to yawn yourself after you hear somebody yawn. And actually talking about yawning, it makes me want to yawn right now. But the difference here between the yawn and the fear is, I mean, uh, past like they're very different is like you can see a yawn you can't see fear and so fear is like they react and then you react and you know from what you're hearing you might actually think they're really a confident per person which is kind of perpetuating your fear of looking dumb in front of them which is then perpetuating your survival mechanism to jump up because like you're not getting the answers that you were hoping for when you asked that question and then that's causing the other person to talk really fast and it's kind of this very quick dance that happens because everybody's fear is just showing up so it's a lot different than seeing somebody yawn and you really can identify it in the moment it haps, happens very quickly so everywhere that tim the technician goes and interacts with people those people are having the same experiences they ask the question tim gets scared uses big words talks fast those other people get scared of looking foolish or not smart enough so they kind of uh you know clam up and so when everyone is doing this, there's this, there's this uh, minimizing of friction. And everyone is just kind of stepping around the thing that they're experiencing with Tim. Everybody's kind of just falling into the natural place that they fall when they're interacting with Tim. The people who speak with Tim hope that what they have gathered from him and like what he's provided 
was enough to get by and get through the situation and to to assist in whatever their the project that they're working on. You might think that Tim said some smart stuff, so I'm going to go ahead and believe him despite not really being clear with yourself as to what Tim is actually talking about. But, you know, I trust him as a person. He said some smart stuff. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of just get out of the situation. And this stuff gets stepped over all of the time because people are scared. We're afraid because most of us are not getting the type of support that we need where a light would be spotlit on engagements and interactions like this. So leadership is not trying to be like this frictionless thing. Leadership is not about having the most efficient way. In fact, like leadership is like a very curvy and bumpy road. It's not quick. It's not about creating a frictionless experience because a frictionless experience is when fears are being stepped over. If you don't want friction, then go ahead and do this sidestep dance and step around this fear and really not fully, like you're limiting yourself of your own understanding. You're limiting Tim's ability to connect with people. You're limiting the possibility for your company to act as a cohesive unit because you have this one employee who is creating this. Everybody has their own fears, so everybody has their own growth opportunities, but specifically for this example of Tim, there's growth opportunities there. So you as leader, using your fear is the gift. So if you're someone dedicated to developing your leadership, it's to put your fear on the table in front of others. This is where like you can use your fear as the gift. So when you're in the conversation with Tim, the technician, and you ask him, you know, uh, whatever he's speaking of, like, I don't know anything about technology, which is why this is a great, which is why this is a great example. But um, maybe he's talking about cookies or something in the dashboard, you know, those pop-ups that says like, please accept all cookies. Maybe he's bringing something like that up and you're like, hey, what's up with like these three cookies that are listed and this error message that I keep getting, you know, every time I try to turn this type of computer on. And then Tim starts to speed up and starts using big words. Right there is when you, is to notice like, wow, like I have no idea what's going on right now. Like I kind of feel stupid. Like I notice that I'm, I kind of want to get out of this conversation. Pause, pause right here. Notice how you would typically react. And if that's, I just need to get out of this conversation and just let Tim do his job. If it's retreating, if it's speeding up, if it's glazing over, just to go along with it, with whatever he's saying. That's not going to be very helpful for you to leave the conversation and have that connection and build and develop Tim's own leadership and also be building your own leadership concurrently while building Tim's. So, and again, what's happening with Tim, the technician and you is happening with the other employees, it's happening with Tim's own direct reports, it's happening with the customers, it's happening everywhere. So what we do here is we break the pattern and you can kind of feel lost in this place and you can say, hey, like, I I notice I'm like really lost. I'm not following you at all. Can you rewind and kind of start over? And this first time isn't going to generate a breakthrough for him. It's not going to generate a breakthrough for you. 
what you're going to do, you're going to have to do this several times. And he likely isn't going to have much tolerance or bandwidth for like his own stupidity, hence his reaction to speed and using big words and likely, you know, does all of the courses and trainings and reads all the books. So he likely has a very low tolerance for other people's perceived stupidity. And I use the word stupidity because that is likely Tim's relationship if you're not keeping up. That's likely Tim's relationship with people who don't understand words. So that's why I'm using those words because that actually is relatable for uh, folks like Tim. So that's the friction here that most people avoid is saying, hey, can you rewind and start again? And then doing that over and over and over again. And it's, it's stepping into that low tolerance that Tim has with people that are doing this. So if you're willing to stand for Tim slowing down and keep asking him to slow down and to use smaller words or whatever it is that you're noticing that there's a gap there of like to help you understand, because again, like you, you asked him a question and you're being left like kind of in the wind, not understanding. Tim is likely going to get frustrated. Tim is likely going to project onto you of the thing that you're afraid of about yourself. Maybe you're scared of looking dumb. Maybe you're scared of being an imposter. Like you don't deserve to run this business, this daycare, because you don't even, you don't know all of the, the ins and outs of all the jobs. And so maybe there's some imposter syndrome there. So if you're willing to stand for Tim slowing down and keep asking him, he's going to get frustrated and he's going to project the things onto you that you're probably afraid of. So your job as the leader is being willing to let Tim project all of that stuff on you in service of Tim's own breakthrough of his leadership. A breakthrough for somebody like Tim with the brilliance that Tim has might be to take people along with him rather than like glazing over and trying to do the same thing and going faster and faster and faster and kind of creating this like bulldozing effect or this like blindsiding effect. That could be one of the breakthroughs that Tim would have. But it's the willingness here to step into your own fear as leader over and over and over again in the present moment. So leadership is about being vulnerable right now right in this moment. It's not jumping on social media later in the day or later in the month and sharing about how you, you know, had this uh, vulnerability. It's about being in the moment, standing in that resistance, in that moment. You don't even know what's about to happen. And all of a sudden you have to do it. You have to be the leader who stands in this resistance and be courageous in the moment, spontaneously stand in the resistance in service of something bigger, in service of being vulnerable right now with Tim. So leadership is really about being courageous. It's shedding off that shiny armor that makes you look good and makes it you look like you have all of your stuff together, which is those automatic behaviors of, oh yeah, 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 I get it, I get it, because it makes you look like hey, you have your stuff together. Or if you glaze over, if you speed up with him, you know, if you start using big words with him, it's all of that shiny armor to make you look good and let you have all of your stuff together. So leadership is about being courageous and shedding off that shiny armor. It's putting 
to the side all of the things and all of the reactions that your fear would have you do to avoid looking weird or avoid you looking dumb or avoid you looking selfish or materialistic or whatever the fear is. And instead, be willing to stand and keep doing that thing over and over again and service of Tim's growth, even if it makes you come across as like a Dumbo or whatever the fear is. You know, you're doing this in service of Tim because you are developing as leader yourself, you are developing Tim as a leader. So you can, you can be the leader of leaders versus like a leader of followers. So if you practice this and take on this type of work, your fear becomes your greatest gift. You can bring your gift to the room because your fear is all of a sudden being your cue. It's becoming your telltale, like in sailing. It's your indicator that something is available for you and for them. Your fear is telling you, hey, there's something available here. This thing that I'm experiencing is happening everywhere in this person's life, and I'm going to use my fear as a gift right now. You can become the only person in Tim's life who's willing to look dumb in front of him, who's willing to look ungrateful in front of him, who's willing to look selfish or to look whatever way people are avoiding to look in front of this person, in front of Tim. And it's in service of the growth and the transformation. That's where leaders become really remarkable. That's when leaders become really unique because we step into that fire. We step into that that bumpy, curvy road with them instead of stepping around it to create something frictionless. So we're stepping and we're going against the grain and we're creating direct friction instead of going with the grain and, and just kind of going along with a frictionless experience. So how do you practice this? Well, you get support and, you, and the support is you need to have people in your own life who are reflecting the same things to you and are willing to step into their own fear in service of you. Most people, this is confronting. Most people, it's challenging to receive reflections about them. So this might look like a coach. This might look like a mentor. This might look like another leader. But it's somebody who you've enrolled, who you've onboarded to reflect the same things back to you and are willing to get scared in service of you. Most leaders are open to offering advice for others, but most are closed to receiving reflections about them. So that's kind of the distinction between, you know, really developing a leader, like developing Tim versus just giving him advice Giving him advice would be much different, but developing him as a leader is you yourself kind of modeling, I'm going to go ahead and stand in my fear and it's going to be in service of you so you can develop as a leader yourself so you can have your own breakthrough around whatever this is that fear is driving you to do. Whatever fear this is, because it's driving you to show up and really shut people down and really shut people out. And for you to be a developed leader here on my team, we all need to, you know, we all need to be a cohesive unit. And so that creates the friction, that creates those breakdowns. 
Because on the other side of a breakdown, and that's where maybe Tim comes at you really frustrated, that's where Tim comes at you and kind of projects his stuff on you, that's those breakdowns that generate the breakthroughs on the other side, which is, who knows what it might be for Tim, but it might be taking people along with him and having him learn that if you want to go further, you need more people along with you. So, but know that the people who are there to support you in this way, who are willing to step in their own fear in service of you, they're not your family members. They're not your loved ones. They're not your friends. Because these people, your friends, your family, your significant other, they're, they don't really satisfy this uh, person, this support in your life, because they're there, they mince their words to keep things, to, to salvage the relationship, to keep playing that same dance that they play with you, or to keep dancing that same dance they dance with you. And so typically friends, family, um, you know, they don't satisfy this role because they are either mincing their words to keep things as status quo, or they, you know, they kind of keep things nice and frictionless, which neither of those things develop your leadership. So it's imperative to onboard someone in your life to reflect these things to you. So the second part is to really notice when you're trying to maintain a particular appearance, a particular shiny veneer, your particular shiny armor. Notice when you're doing something to avoid a feeling, to avoid feeling something that you'd rather not feel or you'd rather not experience. I call this shape-shifting or being a chameleon. It's you going into camouflage so you... Uh, you know, you aren't seen by others, so others don't really see what's happening. That's the shape-shifting, that's the chameleon. And then be willing to out yourself here. Be willing to call what's happening out on the table. So the thing that most people are really scared about, imposter syndrome, is can be addressed. And the way to address it is step into your fear instead of stepping around it. Instead of doing that tap dance around it, kind of beating around the bush, it's to intentionally create that friction. Be willing to not have the answer in the moment. Be willing to think on the fly. Be willing to, you know, say like, hey, like, yeah, I did some preparation, but I didn't include that. And just be willing to be with that person and create that intimacy, which then creates further connection with people. You're bringing people along versus disconnecting and pushing them away to create this veneer, to create kind of this, this chameleon status. And so if you can start to be with that fear, it starts to open space up for other people that they don't have to have everything figured out before they step up. Because think about that. When you're the owner of a business or when you're leading whatever it might be, if everybody had to have everything figured out before they stepped up, it would cause so many delays. It would cause so much insecurity. Things would, like, there, there would be so much more dysfunction. And so when people, if they would be willing to step up because you were modeling it, step into the, the fear of like, hey, I might look like an imposter right now, but I'm going to out myself, 
then that's where collaboration can happen. Because the answer is always in the room when there's a group of people. And so they wouldn't have to be using the handy dandy perfectionism skill set. And so that's really when leadership can start to thrive is when people let their armor down, when they let their shiny, shiny veneers down and they show up, they're, they're imperfect, they're perfectly flawed, and they, they lay it out all on the table. And they're asking questions or they're saying, hey, can you rewind? Because I actually have no idea what's going on right now. And they lean more into that fear. And so stepping into your fear rarely feels good. It actually feels pretty bad. It feels really uncomfortable because it's our fear's job to not only make us want to stay away from it, but it it wants to protect us from ever even thinking about going there. So it's our job to like make you feel really bad, make you feel like sometimes physically sick or just kind of like stuck in dread and worry. That's that being in dread and worry. That's fear. That's your survival mechanism being like, don't go there, don't go there. So it rarely feels good. So if you're stepping into something that you think is like your fear and it feels great, then that's where it's time to go that extra onion layer deeper. Go in deeper next time. And the deeper that you go, the more you're going to expand your comfort zone and become more and more of that remarkable leader of your business, of your family, of whatever it might be, and you're gonna be developing these other people along with you to grow and transform in their own leadership. So it's not just you, because a lot of people ask like, okay, like Rebecca, if you're the only one doing the work and like they're not doing the work, then like, you know, how do you even gauge with people you know, because like their egos are going to show up. And so that's kind of like what this podcast episode is about is like, as you are doing your own work and you're developing your own self, you get to offer your own awareness and of, of your fears as a gift to help develop and stand for the growth of other human beings in your life. And so as you keep leaning into fear, Your ego is likely going to make you think that you're stepping into fear. But if your ego is at work, which it's always at work, your ego keeps growing these extra new heads and becoming really sophisticated as you get deeper and deeper and deeper into your own development, your fear is going to make you think, or excuse me, your ego is going to make you think that you're stepping into fear, but your ego is going to make sure it's totally safe. So maybe like, You think you're going to be stepping into your fear by having like a confronting conversation with your husband, but you really aren't having that confronting conversation with your employee yet. Like that's your ego coming in and kind of driving the bus again of like, this is safe over here. Step into the fear over here. This is safe. And if you feel good while you're doing it, or if you feel great afterwards, that's that ego kind of uh, meticulously coming in and trying to take the driver's seat back. So just notice that along the way. And that's the cue of like, oh, I can go deeper now. I can keep going deeper. And you're expanding that comfort zone and you're becoming more of that remarkable leader. 
So practice areas uh, to look for are the things that feel edgy. It's that edge of that comfort zone that we talked about those circles of the fear and then the survival mechanism and then the comfort zone. And that comfort zone has an edge that leads into possibility, which is all of the unknown. It's leaning into the edge of that possibility. It feels edgy. And so that's how you know you're leaning into the unknown, which is where possibility lives and the fear absolutely hates. All right, that's all I have today is um, how to use fear as a tool, as a gift. So thanks so much for listening. Keep trailblazing growth and taking those bold leaps.